get a million dollars if I knew the answer to all 15 of those questions. Yeah, that's the funny thing about yeah. this. <laughs> is if you know the answers to everything on Jeopardy, you win. It's it's like cheating. It's basically cheating. Yeah. yeah. They should ask questions that don't have real answers right. to make it fair for everyone. Right, like an unsolvable math problem. Yeah. Yeah. I actually found out over Christmas that Erica had never seen an episode of Jeopardy. Yeah. Like, the feeling you're experiencing now, that's... She still hasn't. We, I guess we were like, because we were playing, because my mom got it on her her Nintendo Switch, and we were playing, and when we got to the final the final Jeopardy round, she didn't know what to do, and I was like, "What do you mean you, you bid?" And then there's one question. She's like, "Oh, I've never seen Jeopardy," and I was like, "Wait, I don't. How have you never?" I think seen that it? constitutes child abuse. Yeah, I'm a little curious, but fortunately, there's like 80 seasons on Netflix now. Yeah. So you can we, just binge it. We're gonna binge it. Yeah. I'm gonna we're gonna watch every episode of Jeopardy. Yeah, I haven't been catching up on TV. I've been binging Jeopardy. It would be cool to have like a night where we have people over and show our favorite episodes of Jeopardy. F- clip make show. Them favorite movie. moments. Yeah. Yeah. All right, okay. Uh, what happens now? We do an intro, I guess. Yeah. Oh, this is so. All right. Well, are we rolling? Is it? We're rolling. Oh, this this is recording. Yeah. It was good stuff. Just, <laughs> like I want to get this bit. All right. Well, every every uh every podcast should open with some like theme music, right? And, like. No, we can't do that. Do 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 do. Dun dun. Pod for second. No, we're not. No, we're not doing that. All right, take again. Doing that. All right. This is Pod Forsaken. Uh, you're listening to Pod Forsaken. (laughs) My name's Victor Bloody Q-Tip Nightshade with my co-host Rodney. Hello, I'm Rodney. This is our uh, our first attempt at this, and. we, uh, you know, we're feeling things out, but yeah. we have a basic structure. We have microphones. I don't know if they're working, but right. I've been assured by our Is this our supposed to be plugged zone. into something? Yeah, I don't know. Does this, oh. if the power's out in the Do apartment. Like I'm off mic? <laughs> <laughs> Will it be better if we say that there are four lost episodes that we've already practiced? Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, that way, that way it will really make sense why we're so not on top of anything. <laughs> we'll our way yeah. to being entertaining. This is uh, this is our twenty second podcast. We still we, haven't figured out how to do anything. I think the mics are working this time. In our defense, we <laughs> we didn't we weren't recording the first eighteen times. That's what I'm saying. But yeah. we should have listened to them back. That's for amateurs. I can't <laughs> listen to my own voice. I hate my voice. Yeah, yeah like that's that's for other people. All right, so I, this I, is, but I do hope you find my voice very soothing. This is Pod Forsaken, a horror podcast where we discuss everything horror and maybe some other things like Gloomhaven, which yeah. is an excellent board game. Yeah, we're definitely going to talk about other things, but yeah. uh, we're going to, every episode we guarantee to talk about at least one horror movie. Right. I think that's fair. Yeah. You can count on us to discuss one horror movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that should be the tagline. You can count on us to discuss one horror movie, and then Chris will talk about Gloomhaven for two hours. Yeah. There's a lot of rules. Yeah, I feel like we're just going to segue into that right away. <laughs> Gloomhaven is a giant board game, for those of you who don't know, but we'll get to that at the end. Maybe uh, a little intro about who we are. Should hmm. we do that? Sure. So so I'm Rodney. I live in L.A. because it's boring already, but I live in L.A. and uh, I'm a writer-director. Um, I also work in film development, and I'm a huge horror fan. This is my first attempt at a podcast, so that would be fun to just sort of talk about it. Yeah. Uh, my name is not actually Victor Nightshade. It's you're not Victor Nightshade. <laughs> no, I pull the mask off. Oh, it's uh, my name's Chris. Uh, I am a writer producer. Been working in film and TV for oh my god, almost a decade. But I love horror movies. I love everything film. So this week we're going to discuss. We're doing a retrospective of 2018 mm-hmm. of horror movies from that. We'll discuss the ones we've seen. Admittedly, I haven't seen a lot. Yeah, I was looking at the list, and it occurred to me that. 
there was a vast amount of horror movies I did not watch this year. Yeah. Mainly because they got bad reviews, and I was like, what's the point? But there, right. there are a couple good ones that slip by. Yeah. But I figured we should start by talking about our main event. Yeah? Yeah. So... Be warned, there is spoilers in this content. Yeah. 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 So anyway, we, we were like, what should we do for the first movie? And... Um, Basically, I just picked a movie I've heard was good and been wanting to see, and uh, Victor Nightshade went along with it. I picked this movie called Terrified, which is... Aterrados. Aterrados. Am I saying it right? Aterrados? Is it Aterrados? Yeah, Aterrados. Oh, you gotta do the rolling R. Aterrados. Aterrados. An Argentinian horror movie. Yes. And it's a Shudder exclusive. If you don't have Shudder, the streaming app, uh, you should get it. If you like horror, but I assume you're not listening to this. If Shudder wants, so, wants to sponsor our thing, because we'll tell people to watch Shudder. Shudder, like, sponsor me or not, Shudder is awesome. Yeah. Like, I love Shudder. But they have all kinds of exclusive stuff, and Terrified has an awesome cover, and then it had good reviews, and I was like, let's do it. Yeah. So that's why I picked it. So you watched it, I watched it. Yeah. We have not really talked about it since. No. I really enjoyed it. I was I was very surprised by how much I enjoyed it. I'm going to go into a quick... So when I looked it up, you had warned me that there was another movie called Terrifier, yep. which I almost watched, which is about a killer clown. <laughs> I, I I was like, he's totally going to make the same mistake. And you all might make this mistake. There's a killer clown movie called Terrifier. That's yep. not what we're talking about. No, Terrified. It's got like a split man face on the poster. Mm-hmm. And it's only on Shudder. Only on Shudder. As I may have mentioned. Yeah, uh, Shudder. Once again, Shudder? Shudder is for heart. Home streaming for service. It's fantastic. Yeah, on Amazon. <laughs> so... I turned it on, and already the promo on Shudder was very terrifying, because they showed a promo for Stillborn, which in four shots was, had me poop in my pants. Yeah, I had um, I had a friend staying with me, and we were trying to find a movie a couple nights ago to watch, and I was like, I gotta watch this terrified movie, why don't we put this on? And uh, I put on the trailer, and like ten seconds into the trailer, both my fiancé and my friend were like, no, this is... This looks way too dark for this evening. So I was like, all right, this is... And I don't tend to watch the full trailers because I don't want to, like, ruin the movie. So we turn it off. But I was very excited by the 10 seconds I saw. I put it on last night, and um, my first thought was, like, all right, it opens up. And I was like, this is classy. This is, like, a well-shot movie. But by the time you get through that opening scene, I was like, oh, shit, this is this is legit. I guess we just talk about what happens. I'm just going to tell you about the movie. Yeah. Yeah? This is going to be a Wikipedia entry. I'm, I watched the movie. I'm reading from my yeah. phone now. According to this article, it has a great opening scene. Uh, no, the, the opening is fantastic. Like, literally, quiet open. You start on a woman at the kitchen sink, running water down her drain, and then you see she hears something coming from down the pipes. Very sort of it moment. Mm-hmm. And then she runs the water, and then a little bubble forms on the drain and starts breathing yeah and you just like close up on this bubble and you like i couldn't tell if i was actually hearing something or not and then her husband comes home he's like what's up and she's like uh there's voices coming out of the sink and in typical horror fashion he like you know he checks it out and he's like rusty pipes right and he's like what were the uh what did the voices say anyway just out of curiosity and she's like that they're going to kill me and then it just like slams the title and i was like oh shit all right (laughs) I was like, this is intense. Yeah. And then they don't waste any time. They just get into the night that she dies. Yeah. Yeah, as I mentioned, I tend to... I prefer to watch a movie without a trailer. I did, after the fact, I watched the trailer to see what it would have given away. Oh. It actually doesn't really give away much of the movie. Okay. So, if you're listening to this and you're like, should I watch it, shouldn't it? Feel free to watch the trailer or just take our opinion. But, yeah, basically this dude wakes up in the middle of the night and he can't find his wife. And he hears, like, the shower running. And uh, there's this, like light thumping sound and uh he's like that's my neighbor who i know is remodeling my his house so he goes next door and he's like pounding on his neighbor's door 
but his neighbor doesn't answer. And when he comes back, he's like, you know, that thumping actually sounds like it's coming from inside the bathroom. He goes in the bathroom. This is like the coolest fucking thing. There's, his wife is like floating above the tub and she's just slamming back and forth against the bathtub. Like she's clearly dead. But her dead body is just like floating and smashing into the wall over and over. And he's like, he screams and just like cuts to him like in, in like a mental hospital. Yes. Yeah. I love that moment too, because one, I'm somebody who as a kid was like really afraid of the dark. And like, I started like diving into horror movies because I was like, I'm going to master my fears by watching something on a screen that can't hurt me. And that kind of worked, I guess. But one of the things that like really helped me contextualize horror was like it, there's so much craft that goes into it and that's one of the things I love about horror movies is that it's like it's tactile and real in a way that like a lot of like sci-fi and big budget action stuff just isn't anymore a lot of horror stuff like yes it's it's embellished with VFX but a lot of stuff is crafted by people who make it and that scene of her bouncing back and forth between the walls just felt like I don't know if it was fully VFX but it had like a real weight to it like when her head just kept hitting the wall. It was really graphic and disturbing. Like, like we're like six minutes into the movie. And I was like, this is one of the most disturbing things I've seen all year long. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know how they did. I mean, it's obviously some combination of, right. you know, VFX. Wire, and, VFX, you know. who knows? So then I was like, okay. But like, I feel like horror, there's all kinds of different categories, but there's the horror where it's just sort of like a dude chopping people up or a monster on the loose where you are aware of the thing. And then there was this kind of movie where it's like, what's making her do that, right? Uh, more of a supernatural thing. And those tend to scare me more because you're like, if it happened to that guy and he doesn't know what's going on, I mean, I know it's not going to happen to me, not, you know, knock on wood, but... We'll see what happens. Yeah, well, anyway, so... That wasn't a threat. <laughs> we'll see how the podcast goes. So basically, dude is in the mental hospital and uh, these three older people show up. It's like two guys and a woman. Mm-hmm. And... Um, They're like a paranormal investigative team. Right. And what, I just want to say, one of the things I really enjoy about the movie is that the entire cast are adults. There's, like, there is one kid, but, like, the majority of the people are, like, 40 or older. And that's something you don't see frequently in horror movies. Mm-hmm. At least, you know, especially, I guess, because it's a foreign film. I've, so, one thing to note, they're actually remaking this. Really? Yeah. For U.S.? Yeah, yeah. Which is not surprising. It felt like Argentinian Juan or The Grudge. Yeah, that's an excellent way to put it. Yeah. It's, it's basically a house... That as soon as you go to it, there is a malevolent force there that is going to kill you. Right. But the one thing they did that was different than most of those is it's not just one house. It's the it's like a whole block of houses. Right. So the movie then rewinds. You meet the neighbor that he thought was remodeling his house. Right. And that dude, we follow his story. And he's like, he hasn't slept in days. And he keeps right. calling some doctor. Right. And he's basically ha- undergoing this like psychic duress. And he's like taking pills and one of the, I think he said there were like two laughs in it. One of the best mm-hmm. laughs is he basically calls the doctor. His uh, answering service is like, we can't help you. Like, she's out. You can't reach her right now. It's like the middle of the night. He then pops some pills, goes to sleep in his bed, and the bed just moves by itself. And he's just like, oh, and just lays down in it. He's just like, he's just been dealing with this for a while. Yeah. I was like, I'm always like, the minute my bed moves across the floor, I I don't get how, like, I don't know how poor you are, but you should sleep in your yard. You should sleep anywhere except in the bed that just moved. But he's clearly like, I'm just going to do it anyway. 
And he's basically is like... Um, well, I mean, if you worked all day, you saw his office. It's pretty shitty. He probably is bottom of the totem pole. Shit rose downhill. And he probably gets to the end of the day and he's just like, I just want to sleep. I don't give a shit if there's a poltergeist moving my bed. Yeah. And I guess if you get to a point where like it, the worst that's happened is the bed moves. Right. You're just like, I can live with this, right? Mm-hmm. Until he wakes up the next day right. and the entire apartment has been like rearranged. Right. So uh, again, he calls the doctor frantically. I need your help. And basically the secretary is like, look, like, Dr. Albrecht? Yeah, Albrecht, I think. She's one of the three people we meet in the insane asylum. Her assistant is basically like, unless you have proof, she's not going to come. So he buys a video camera, and he's like, I'll, I'll prove it to you. Right. And this works himself while sleeping. Yes. Always a good idea. And the best way I can describe it is, like, from under the bed comes this incredibly, like, tall, lanky, naked mostly man thing. Like, you never get a total... Kind of reminded me of the lanky guy in It Follows. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah. Tall, lanky, scary, bald. Yeah. And, um, you know, he... Try to remind me what happens. So then the thing... I just watched it last night. <laughs> uh, there's a great moment where you have people, like, constantly looking and looking, and there's nothing, and there's nothing. And then they look, like, a third or fourth time, and it suddenly appears. So the guy, like, when we first meet him, is, like, checking under his bed before he goes... And he, like, checks under his bed, and then he walks, and then he's like, okay, there's nothing, there's nothing, go grab my ankles. So he sets up the camera, and as he's laying in bed, you slowly see, like, the bed start to move, and then the thing gets out, stands up next to his bed, and is watching him sleep, and then goes into the closet. So he wakes up in the middle of the night, and, like, looks back at the thing, sees that it's in the closet, and he grabs a gun, goes to the closet, and so then... The thing, uh, he then, like, looks back at the camera to see if it, like, went somewhere else. And then the closet starts to open behind him. And then it comes out. And he grows to grab for his gun. And the thing beats him to the gun. Yeah. I think they do this really clever that I haven't seen that I can think of very often. Maybe not since, like, the movie House from the 80s. Is mm-hmm. like, a person looks in a space. And it's definitely empty and clear. And then, like, a few moments later, the thing comes from that space. Which later in the movie will be explained. Right. Because you're always like, it's not in the closet. Where is it? Oh, it is in the closet. You, you know? Right. So anyway, we meet that guy, and he gets, if I recall, like, dragged into the closet. Right? Uh, we just see it like... I think it just jumps off it, of it grabbing the gun instead of him. Okay, right. And then we... I forget if we rewind or... Uh, we meet the little kid. For who's yes. On so the kid... The kid... This is where it starts getting uh, really messed this up. This is the best subplot of the movie. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I completely agree. This part... This is this, this is worth your price of admission. The kid kicks a soccer ball into the neighbor who's remodeling that we just saw, who's apparently still alive. He kicks a soccer ball into his yard, goes to get it. He goes up, grabs a soccer ball, sees there's a spigot nearby that's dripping water. He's like, I'm playing outside. It's hot. What am I? Little kid. I don't know any better. Drink some of the water. From inside the house, the guy who's remodeling goes, get away from here. Don't drink that water. The kid, freaked out, backs up away from the house into the street. Wham! A bus hits him and kills him. And to be fair, they show that in the very beginning of the trailer. Like yeah. that, they right off the bat show you that a kid gets hit by a bus. Yeah. And even though I saw it, I forgot it happened. And I was like, oh man, that is messed up. But it's not the most messed up thing. So we meet the kid's mom as she is going to her son's funeral. And we also meet this kind of like middle-aged man with a with a beard who we, we come to learn is a police detective. Yeah. And Funis. Uh, Funis, yes. I hope I'm saying that right. Funis. Detective Funis. Foons. <laughs> and, um, correct, they go to the funeral. Yes. And then we cut to one of those three old people, the mm-hmm. older people. Forgive me for the term old people, but the three old uh, people. Yano. 
is the older. He's a former um, mortician. Right. And he's one of the three people who are, it, we've met in the mental hospital interviewing the guy whose wife died in the bathtub, right? Right. And he gets a call in the middle of the night from Funes, who's right. like, I need you to get in your car and come down to this house immediately. Yeah. He's like, what's up? He's like, just come down here. Yeah. And so he comes down, and then <laughs> the first thing that Yano sees are little muddy footsteps walking into the house. Footprints. Foot, yeah, footprints walking into the house. And then he sees a little muddy handprint on the door. And he walks in, and the mother is basically sort of in shock in the living room. And there's two policemen there, and uh, Funes comes, and he's like, hey, I'm glad that you came. They have, like, a very brief discussion. Like, Yeah, he's like, uh, are you afraid of it? Yeah, he says, are you afraid? And he, he's like, "Not nothing scared me thus far, but I'm, like, open-minded to right. it or something like that. Yeah. And then they walk into the kitchen, and the little boy's corpse is sitting at the kitchen table, and the mother has laid out uh, cereal and milk and cookies. But his corpse is, like, in the suit he was buried in, but he's clearly been, like, rotting for days. And it's just this dead corpse, like, sitting there as though he's mid-breakfast. Yeah. And then he's completely motionless. But uh, Fune says, like, the, the police, like, have, are convinced that they saw him move. And I think I saw him move, too. But it's just, it's obviously, like, a little doll. But it's a really well-done doll. Yeah. And uh, Yano, who's a mortician, comes up and he starts looking at the fingers. And he goes, you know, it's, it's possible that Alicia, the mother, staged this. But the little boy's corpse has, like, gash marks all over its fingers. So clearly it dug its way out of the casket and through the dirt. And that's why it's covered in dirt. Yeah, the doll, it's so creepy. Because, like, you're, like, it's going to move any minute. There's all the, this scene goes on for a while. This is, like, a ten-minute scene. Is like, the detective, like, gets up close. And he's, like, looking at it. You're like, it's going to move. It's going to move, right? It doesn't move. Until, like, they go to leave the room. It's because Funes says that he and the boy's mother had a relationship for a long time. Yes. And then suddenly you hear a crash off screen and the little boy pr- presumably has spilt the milk. Right. But again, you never see it. it but it's in the exact same spot. Yeah. It's like it, it clearly has not moved yet the glass of milk has tipped over. And by this point, the movie is just like full on tension. Like yeah. you're like, what is going on between all these different stories? And then we get to essentially the meat of the movie. And the meat of the movie is the three paranormal investigators. So the mortician... Funes, and we meet this... No, Dr. Albrecht, and then her associate. Right. Yeah. Who is an American guy who happens to speak... Right. Uh, Who's like a poor man's Donald Sutherland? Yeah, that's an excellent, <laughs> excellent way to put it. The whole movie, I was like, why does he look so familiar? <laughs> they basically decide they're each going to stay in one of the three houses yes. and set the, up their equipment. Where the, the woman was murdered in the bathroom, mm-hmm. where the remodeling guy has gone missing. With the tall man that lives in his closet. Right. And... Well, that sounds like it could be any movie. (laughs) That's a very different movie. And uh, we're the little boy. And the three of them, and Funes is there. And so you have these three people who are all believers, but are fearless. And they've all set up little equipment. See, and they're basically going to spend the night and figure out what's going on. And for me, this is, I really love the movie, but this is where the movie starts to go off the rails. Because it felt like it sort of did a lot of the business of, like, you know, what you've seen in Insidious of, like, we're paranormal investigators. We're going to look into this. And there was, like, got little, you know, got business. We've got the little compass in the water, and it's going to spin, and I've got this little, like, weird thing that when I pour water in, it makes, you know, magnets go like this. And then nothing really happens with that. There's some creepy moments, but... Yeah, I, I agree. Like, the movie, it feels like a Pulp Fiction horror movie up until then. Like, the Pulp Fiction of horror movies, because the way it's all split up. But then it just sort of becomes the story of these three people 
each dealing with their own individual house. And I think it becomes clear that the movie is really is about Funes mm-hmm. and how he basically he's he's the one dude who's like, I get scared. Like and he's very much like, I don't want to be here, but I'm kind of doing this because I used to date this woman whose son has apparently come back from the dead. And you sort of follow him becoming braver as the movie goes on. But it does sort of just go into, I don't want to say standard horror movies, but it's exactly what we would expect. In each house, you watch the horror, the horror is growing. Right. It's kind of hard to explain. Yeah. In essence, basically, the mortician guy is in one house and he hears, like, glass shattering. The American doctor is with Funes initially, and they walk into the kitchen and all of the cutlery is hanging from one of the cabinets, like magnetized. Like from, the, from like the underside yeah. of the cabinet, like dangling there. Right. And in a very, um, what was the uh, Alien prequel movie? Aliens prequel. Oh, Prometheus? Yeah, in a very Prometheus moment, this guy who's like a doctor just walks up and is like, oh, I'm going to touch the magnetized things. And then suddenly one of the knives stabs through his hand. It's like, why are you doing this? You're supposed to know better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, they are clearly, like, supernaturally floating right. knives. And he gets his hand stabbed. But even at that point, my first thought would be, like, why don't we open up the cabinet and see... And they, they haven't done that. Right. But it's only after he gets stabbed and his blood starts, like, running upward right. into the cabinet. And it's that, drinking his blood. Like, something is drinking his blood. Yeah. And then, of course, they look in the cabinet and guess what? Nothing there. Just plates and, yeah. and shit, right? That's some uh, thirsty cutlery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but... Around here is when the movie, when one of the characters basically reveals that the the thing in this movie that's kind of clever is that whatever these entities are, they're always there, right. but you can only see them when you look at them from a certain angle. So it's like the reason the dude sometimes doesn't see anything under his bed is just like the, the angle that he's looking at. So there's a great scene, the scene where the guy's looking across the street, mm-hmm. like when... That was that was a real jump out of your seat. Yeah, moment. the mortician, he's like yeah, Funes calls him because yes. he's like, I don't want to be here anymore. I'm gonna leave. I'm out. Yeah, he's and definitely out. Across the street, Yano is looking through the mortician is looking through the window and he goes, "Are you in the kitchen?" He goes, "Yeah, I'm in the kitchen." And he like basically there's a pane of glass on one side of the the window and then the other side of the window is open. And when he goes to the open side, he doesn't see anything. It's like when he like, leans over to the window side, he sees something in the kitchen. And so he keeps going back and forth, back and forth. There's something, there's nothing. There's something, there's nothing. And then Funes is like, I'm going to leave. And then Yano keeps doing it. And then as he looks back, there's nothing. He goes forward. Something appears right in front of him. And it's a great jump scare. Yeah. It, there were there were at least three jump scares in the in the movie that, like, I jumped. Yeah. Like, you got me. That's, that's not... I mean, it's easy to do with, like, sound and whatnot. But I right. feel like these were actually earned. Like, that was a scary well, moment. Well, because it it's also... The jump scares that they do are a commendable because they're actually the monster. I hate jump scares where you put a big music sting on something and it's not anything. Yeah. Like, putting a big music sting on the policeman touching somebody's shoulder. Because mm-hmm. that's... You're putting... You're amplifying tension against something that's not actually real. So you're being manipulative. Whereas this is amplifying tension against the monster, which is real and is going to kill them. Yep. And no, you're totally right. That's an excellent point. Like the monster jumps out. I, I will say, from this point forward, I didn't really like the movie loses its it's funny because like the scares increase, but the I don't know, like the plot starts unraveling. Like yeah. I, I'm not really sure what's like I'm basically just watching these three people hang out in their house as each right. house is getting worse and worse. And you're like Time to leave, right? Like, like there, a crack opens in the wall, and, like, Dr. Albrecht is, like, looking in the crack. Right. And, like, you know, sort of out of focus is this rotting man's face with, like, glowing eyes. And she's just like, 
hello, you know, and yeah. he's like staring back. I'm like, that's like a demon in the wall. Like, you have found your proof. Time to go. Like, you should right. go. But of course, she's like, you know, yeah. they can't hurt you if you don't, you know, believe in them or something along those lines. Yeah. Well, it, it, she's wrong. So essentially, yeah, no, she gets super, super screwed up. Um, <laughs> like, wicked ways. Like, that's some Hellraiser stuff what happened to her. Oh, yeah. I uh, I mean, yeah, whatever. Like, at this point, uh, you should watch the movie. But yeah. The thing. Uh, so everything goes south. Yeah. Everything goes south. And the only one with any sense is Funes, who's like, we should leave. And all the scientists are like, no, we need more proof. He's sort of like, uh, the he's just a victim of peer pressure. Yeah. He spends like half the movie being like, I'm out of here. Like, just stay a little longer. It's fine. He's like, all right, I'll stay a little longer. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't like it. Yeah. Uh, the, the reveal, the best part of the movie is to me, like the four really good jump scares. But you're right, like, we can get into a little bit of the weeds of, like, what the the thing is. So basically, as far as I can figure, they are interdimensional vampires that also act as poltergeists. And depending on what angle you're looking at them, you can see them or not see them. I wouldn't use vampire, like, well, traditional Western well, vampire. it seems like when people, They're, they, they, they the drink blood, blood and yeah. then the people that they kill turn into them. Yeah, it's a valid point. But they don't, they're not, like, fanged vampires. They're, like, right. they look more like creepy ghosts glowing-eyed thing. They all look different, to be fair. They all yeah. have a different appearance. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they make it very clear they're interdimensional beings. Yeah, it's like that episode of Rick and Morty. Uh, with the interdimensional mind works. Uh, is that season three? Season two. Oh, I definitely saw it, just don't oh. remember it. <laughs> well, good show. We'll talk about it another time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll cut this part out. I still don't know what Pickle Rick is. And you don't know what Pickle Rick is? Oh, well, that's season three. Yeah, well... You don't I, need to know what Pickle Rick is. Well, I, I, no, but it, it's like I've started season three. It's the next episode I'm going to oh. watch. So I'm just, I spent a whole year people talking about Pickle Rick. Pickle Rick is the second best Rick and Morty episode of all time. Is it? Tiny Rick is the best episode. Yes. Tiny Rick? Yeah. Tiny. I don't know. Mr. Poopy Butthole, I think, might be the best one. He's that? a great character. Great character. Yeah. The, the end of that episode is great. Well, that's that's the Mind Worms one. That's it, the Parasite oh, is one. Is it? Oh, yes. Okay. I do. I just, I think it was Mr. Poopy Butthole episode, but you're right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we found it. <laughs> that one is great. Yes. Okay, so they're interdimensional Mr. Poopy yeah, Butthole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, Mr. Poopy Butthole looks like he easily could be one of the monsters in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I think we found. Um, a bit of headcanon. Well, anyway, uh, you know, I'm not gonna, no point ruining the ending, I no. guess. But, like, things go south. And yeah. the, while I was watching, I was like, if I were just to describe this to a person, I think the, I think you said it well earlier, I forget what you compared it to, but I was thinking it's like... It's like The Grudge. Yeah, that's actually probably closer. I was thinking it's like The Conjuring, but mm. the the it's like the Argentinian grudge. That's the best way to put it. If that sounds like it's up your alley, this is probably the best version of that movie yeah. that you are going to find currently. Yeah. To me, I feel like, um, what's his name? Runyon? Run- Runyon? Who are we talking about? The director. Oh, yeah, I don't know yeah. how to say his name. I'm I attempt it. He, I feel like he was like, you know what's my favorite part about horror movies? When you're like in one frame and you pan away and pan back and something is there. And he just reverse engineered a monster that could do that. And it, it works because it's scary. But in terms of like, it doesn't all come together. Like if you're looking for like, like a mama type thing where you're like, oh, she just wanted a kid the whole time. Like there's no real rhyme or reason. Yeah, this, this falls into the camp of like those horror movies where it's like there are supernatural things and if they were just like in real life you wouldn't be able to explain it you would just maybe get lucky and live and it just sort of ends on a note that it's like some of these people survive and some of them don't but like do you get an explanation for it no it's just like basically these people lived in the wrong on the wrong street yeah (laughs) but overall i dug it and i i'm fully recommending it i think uh i think it's a good time and 
it manages to feel unique in many ways that I've not seen before, while still, you know, being a traditional ghost scary movie. Yeah. Jumps. Yeah. If you like uh, creepy naked men living in closets, this movie's for you. Yeah. I, uh, I think we've summed it up very well. Yeah. I think we both liked it. Yeah. We both liked it. So I, I love the concept of it. The high concept of interdimensional monsters is really interesting. Mm-hmm. I think where the movie falls flat for me is like like what you said. Like forty five minutes in, we learn that the main the protagonist is Funes. Yeah, and you're like, oh, this guy that we just met. It's like we backdoored into. It felt like they were sort of like writing, and then maybe as he was going through drafts, somebody was like, but who do I care about in this? And he just sort of horseshoed this guy in. Yeah, I had no idea. Like, yeah, it felt like at first the dude whose wife dies in the shower is clearly the protagonist. Right. And I'm like, oh, this movie's one of the just going to jump around a lot. We don't have a protagonist. And then halfway through, it's like, no, this is the story of this detective. And I'm like, oh, I wish I had met him at yeah. the top of the film. I liked him. I thought I thought he was really good. In fact, I thought all the acting was strong. Yeah. But I almost always feel like that with foreign language movies, though, where I'm like, this looks great. <laughs> you could ask an actual Spanish speaker and be like, oh, no, they're terrible. <laughs> they're, they're, they don't even speak Spanish correctly. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it, it is harder, obviously, to determine whether they're... Like, to me, yeah. I believe they were... You know, strangely, they weren't... At no point did anyone seem afraid except Funes, right? Right. Usually in these movies, you find, like, the paranormal investigative team spends their whole life listening to, like, you know, little blips on the static, and they never find anything. And then they go to the house, and they're like, oh, my God, like, there's demons here. This movie, like, very quickly, they're like, no, this place is legit haunted. These are evil things. And everyone's just chill about it throughout. Yeah. Like, Well, and I think that's sort of, from a story perspective, one of the big misses for me is because you have that really powerful scene when they're in front of the little boy talking about it and Funes is sort of grilling Yano and he's like, have you seen this before? And he's like, I have. I saw, uh, when I was in the morgue, a old man came alive after two days and he grabbed my arm and he wanted to talk to his son. There was another young boy who was shot 14 times in the face, so I had to amputate his head, and then suddenly his body came to life. So he's seen this before, but he doesn't seem to have a perspective on it other than, like, oh, we need to bury this and, like, just move on. Yeah, he very much is, like, sometimes really weird supernatural shit happens. You know what your best thing to do is? Just move on. Yeah. Just put it in the lockbox, put that away, and go watch a movie. <laughs> And yeah, I guess that's that's who these characters are. This is but a, that, that didn't feel like it carried through. Because he wasn't the one naysaying as they're doing this. Like, hey, this is getting out of control. We need to put this down. That's where I feel like it falls flat. And I think you hit the nail on the head that it's like the first half of this feels like Pulp Fiction. And it's like, ooh, Pulp Fiction horror movie where you have all these different perspectives of the same thing. That's cool. And then it just becomes like... The end of Poltergeist, the end of Insidious, the end of whatever paranormal investigative thing, without a B story. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, it feels like two, it almost feels like three movies, because there's the Pulp Fiction part, there's the paranormal investigation part, and then the final, like, 20 minutes is, you might as well just call it the Funes movie. Right. Like, it just becomes his story to, like, again, we won't spoil the ending, but, like, to wrap things up, if you will. Right. So, yeah, it was... There was something a little off about it, but I, I'm, I'm ranking it in terms of my just overall enjoyment. And in my mind, like, comparing it to how I normally feel when I watch, like, a bad horror movie where, like, this is so dumb or, like, these scares are so cheap. But, like, I felt like it, it did really well in the, the tone of the piece, the creepiness. Again, it maintained that tension throughout, which... Yes. I gotta say, that's where it upended my expectations, because a lot of horror movies, like, once you name the beast, once you show what it is... 
it loses all tension. And you're just like, all right, let's wrap this up. Whereas, you know, uh, Funes at the end, I was still on the edge of my seat. I don't know what's going to happen. They had a really good scare in the last five minutes of the movie. Oh, absolutely. That The one you were talking about was... It was it, it was really unnerving. Yeah. <laughs> I think it helps that, like, there is no one thing that's, like, the bad guy, right? Because you've got, like, the little corpse kid. you got the tall man, the thing in the wall. And you never really know what's coming. So the movie, you know, like, once you see the monster, like, say, in The Relic or something, if anyone remembers that movie, you're, like, now I'm not really scared. Or alien, the alien and aliens. But this one, the movie's, like, it can be different. They're all different things because they're just a bunch of weird shit from another dimension. Yeah. Uh, and so the movie keeps throwing new things at you, so you're constantly on edge, being like, is, like who knows what could pop out from around that corner. We want to segue? Yeah, yeah so let's segue. segue. So admittedly, I did not see as many horror movies last year, just because a lot of them didn't stand out to me. But in no particular order, my top three would be Mandy, Quiet Place, Hereditary. We each made our top three of 2018 list, and... Unfortunately, I have the exact same list as you. No! But I do have one other one I want to bring up. But we can talk about Mandy first. Okay. I think, I mean, Mandy's fantastic. It's one of those movies that if any person said, I hated that, I would completely get why. In fact, my fiancé said that. <laughs> and we saw with a group of people, and half of them really hated it. I, you, know, you know what's so weird about it is I feel the same way about all three of those movies. I, I loved A Quiet Place when I first saw it. I happened to walk in when a friend of mine was re-watching it. And I was like, oh, let me sit down and rewatch it. Completely does not hold up. Because every single moment you, is orchestrated exactly, and you know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, I think, I mean, A Quiet Place is obviously the most standard Hollywood of them. You right. know, like it's... But even like, I don't know, like it does something very unique, and I wasn't engrossed the second time by it. But I still love it. It is a beautifully crafted movie. It's got a great little uh, B story of the father-daughter relationship. One, it's nice to see like sign language used as like mm-hmm. the main way of communicating in a film. And then it, it just felt like it was expertly directed. I liked the father-daughter story. The creatures were cool. They did a good job of kind of only showing you them toward the end. I don't know. It was very tense. I only saw it the one time, though, so I can't yeah. talk about a second viewing. Yeah, this, I, I mean, I think, like, all time, this isn't a true horror movie, but it, I classify it in that vein, is, like, Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, I mean, you got to put it in some category. Yeah. Horror is close. I, I could watch that movie. If that were on right now, I would leave the podcast and just start watching it. I think it is on. Oh, well, i got to go. All right. <laughs> Welcome to the Rodney Podcast. Uh, the Rodcast. Rodcast. Oh, how did I miss I, that? I had to come back for that. Damn it. Um, so I, I don't know if I will ever watch A Quiet Place again. I would probably watch it. It's more like if it were if, I, if it were on. If I lived in a world where I still had cable and I just flipped through channels, I miss that. Yeah, like now you have to you have to pick a movie, right? right? I feel like I wish every app just had a like start playing or random thing button, so you could just still walk in the middle of movies, right? But if a quiet place were just on, I would I would keep watching it. There's a there's a, a lot that um a lot that I loved, but like. You know, again, it's it's PG thirteen, so like you know, it's not really it's not really gory. There's just there was a lot in that movie that I there's a I mean every movie has like logic issues, but I was sort of like listen like why don't you just like live near that waterfall where they can't hear you right and like why doesn't everyone carry like noisemaker devices you know like like an egg timer or something that you sure, can just sure. throw to like draw their attention like you you've built a bunker. That's like soundproof for your baby. So maybe you should just go down there and talk, right? Like there were a lot of things like that. But I still felt like it was absolutely a great time at the movies. 
it was fun watching those creatures like stalk people. It was very tense. And it's, a, it's an expertly made movie. And for the most part, its logic holds up. You know, if you're watching it, you're like, that makes sense that why they're doing that. And it's, it ends in a very satisfying way. Yes. So, so for yes. me, definitely one of the best times in the horror genre of the year. Yeah. Good theater movie, too. It was very, it was sort of a personal challenge. It was like a uh, Metal Gear Solid challenge to stealthy popcorn. Or yeah. I was thinking that, too. Yeah, like every bite is like crunch, crunch. <laughs> but so I guess we kind of jumped. Yeah. We jumped away from Mandy we can go back to Mandy yeah let's circle back to Mandy and then in the middle of that we'll jump to Hereditary and then we'll finish with Mandy yeah I would say if you like horror movies and you're listening to this and you haven't seen Mandy you should watch Mandy yeah turn off the podcast go watch Mandy Mandy also happens to be on Shudder I believe it also is a Shudder exclusive but the podcast brought to you by Shudder Shudder bringing you horror movies I, you know what I, I just really love a movie where you feel like what you're watching is the full artistic intention of the per- the person or people who made it. It doesn't feel like Mandy does not feel like Hollywood product. It feels like an artistic vision by this dude. Yeah. It it felt very reminiscent of a European new wave. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of like acid wash stuff, a lot of really wacky colors, but just really amplified through visual effects and uh, the post process in a way that, like, really elevated it, which, you're right, you're watching, like, the uncut, unadulterated version of this dude's acid dream, and it is fucking awesome. Yeah, I think, I mean, the acid dream is the best way to put it. Like, it, like whether or not you did drugs before you put the movie on, it feels like someone maybe gave you drugs. It's, it's really slow at the beginning. There's these long shots of just, like, pulsing red lights. And, like, the entire soundtrack is basically someone holding a note down that goes, like, wow, wow. <laughs> but once it gets going and Nick Cage, who probably does one of his best performances of the year. I'm gonna talk As about Nick Cage. As, yeah, he's Nick Cage. But once he goes off on his, like, trail of revenge, my God, it is, it is fantastic. I always love a good, like, rogues gallery of, like, different people that need to be confronted and killed. Mm-hmm. And that chainsaw fight. Whew. Yeah, you got... I, again, I don't want to... I certainly don't want to spoil Mandy for people, but they yeah. show you the, tra- the chainsaw fight in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like he has a bunch of people he's got to work his way through, and they each clearly have different strengths and weaknesses. But that by far, that was... That was the award for me just in terms of, like, is it a horror movie? Again, like, Silence of the Land... Like, there's no other category to put it in, but it's not. Its intention is not to scare you as an audience member, but it does have like a demon biker gang and murder and cults. Yeah, selling super drugs. Yeah, yeah. Before we talk hereditary, which I feel like is the thing to wrap up, I do want to discuss one other, my other favorite horror movie of the year, which is a Nick Cage movie as well. Mom and Dad. I want to see that. I've not seen it yet. All right, Mom and Dad is a good time. So I know the just sort of plot is. There's something that happens that make parents have to kill their children. Yep. Okay. Something happens. And I mean, you said it very well. Like, parents are totally normal. Everyone's totally normal. But they specifically feel this intense violence toward their own children. Other children are totally fine. They have they, they just see them as normal kids. But their own kids, they want to kill. And so Nick Cage is married to Selma Blair in this movie. And they have two kids. And you're following the kids as, like, they start to feel like something's wrong with mom and dad. And it turns into sort of like a home invasion movie within their own home. Like, the kids are trapped at home with their parents who are trying to, like, get at them, right? It walks that line between, like, a violent horror movie. It's like, has those gory outbursts, but it's also got this, like, zany black comedy to it. But Nick Cage in it, oh my god. He is so good. There's this one specific scene that you'll know when you watch it. Where he, uh, he's building a pool table. 
when he's building the pool table. And, like, it, not that he would be nominated for an Oscar, but if he were for this movie, that would be the scene they would show, right? It's, I highly recommend Mom and Dad. Might be a great double feature with Mandy, in fact. Okay. So that's my, that's my parentheses, like, runner-up yeah. best of 2018. Yeah, I, I really want to see that. I love Nick Cage, I think. So it's like the inversion of Raising Arizona. I've never seen Raising oh, Arizona. triple feature. I know, isn't that? That's, I hate to admit that, but I've, I've admitted it. I've seen parts of it, but that doesn't count. No. Did you have any other runners-up that you wanted to discuss? Now? Adorados? Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I don't know if that was a... Two, I think it was 2017. Oh, never mind. But I don't know. So basically, I think we all agree, and I think every person listening to this, for the most part, probably agrees that Hereditary was the best horror movie of the year. Yeah. Like... So I'll, I'll start this by telling my uh, hereditary viewing experience story. I saw it in a small little black box theater. And, you know, it's maybe like five people per row. And in the middle of the climax, when everything's going bananas, this old lady who was in the front and probably had like read in the New Yorker or some shit, that like hereditary is actually an elevated horror movie. <laughs> Just gets up, puts her jacket on, clutches her purse, and walks through... Up, she's in the front row, so she has to walk past everyone going, stupid movie, stupid movie, <laughs> stupid movie. And in the background, somebody is doing horrible things to themselves on screen. I, someone walked out of my viewing, too. They, they, were, they were a silent, you know, they did not make a commotion leaving, but people mm. definitely walked out. I see why. It gets, like, I knew nothing about this movie. I knew that a movie existed called Hereditary, and that Tony Collette was supposed to be really good in it, and it was supposed to be really scary. And when I hear, when I, when I know that a movie is going to supposedly be good, there's no need to watch the trailer because I'm already going to go buy a ticket. Well, I watched that movie in a theater. It was it was a sold out showing, and for the first like half hour, I was like, I don't, "Is this a horror movie? This is really slow." And like, it just seems like it's about a crazy woman. But at like, if I have to give an award for like slowly turning up the heat to high, yeah, and then burning your own kitchen down, yeah, <laughs> hereditary. I could not believe how like it just kept getting worse. And, wor- and by worse, I mean, like, intense and scary. Mm. The quality of the movie was good throughout. But, like, it's rare that you see a movie that's so well-crafted in terms of the writing, the acting, the cinematography, the music. Like, it's like an A-plus in every category. The editing. The uh, mm-hmm. transitions between night and day. Oh, yeah. Where it goes, like, uh, the night shot, and then it just is a sting static frame, and then ticks, and then it's a day shot. Yep. Beautiful. The, uh, the use of, like, the model house that the mom is building. Mm-hmm. Again, if, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen Hereditary, like, top of your list. Put it on top of your list. It is one of... It's, like, it's it's going to go down, I think, as a, one of the classics. Yeah. It is absolutely what I would call a feel-bad movie. It is a feel-bad movie. It is. Yeah. I honestly walked out of that movie and did not like it. And then over time, it just kept... Coming like creeping back in like a crazy old lady in your attic, just clawing at my brain. Like think about this scene. Think about this image. The post car scene. Yeah. Oh is yeah. The most visceral thing I've seen put on film in probably a decade. I agree with that, and I would argue the attic headbanging thing. That part that has that has bothered me since I've seen it. Like it just is so disturbing, and I I felt the same way. Like. I when it ended, I liked it, but I feel like no matter who you are, when that movie ends, you feel like you feel a little dirty and like some like it feels like it never leaves you. Like I can't unsee what I saw in Hereditary. Yeah. I will say my one thing that I feel like personal thing, but because there's that that line of I want to know what's going on, and you spend so much of the movie being like 
what's going on with his family. When it's finally revealed, did you feel like it was a little bit of like a letdown in terms of the the reason for the things? I actually liked it because it was, how do I say this without being spoilery? It felt like so bald faced that when you finally see it, you're like, oh, these motherfuckers went there. It feels like a lot of movies would skirt up against that ending and then sort of do a 180 and be like, aha, we tricked you. Right. That's a good point. No, this just went full force. It was like we're driving into a plot wall and we're going through it like the cool. <laughs> yeah, no, like this is why we're here. You know, upon viewing it again, you like that's the movie. That's the plot of the movie. And I'm cool with it. It's just like it's just always hard in a horror movie to explain. You know, like in The Shining, you never really know why the, the, the hotel is haunted. Right. Right. But if there, if it's like if there were a reason, if they ever just said like, oh, you know, Indian burial ground, do they say that? I don't think so. Uh, I think they do. Yeah. Maybe it's in the book. Yeah. Well, either way. Yeah. Anyway, Hereditary is great. Those are our our favorites of the year. Yeah. It was a strong year for horror. Yeah. No, it, it really was. And as I was looking at the list of things that came out, I realized there were all these great movies that I've yet to see. Like, I hear Upgrade is fantastic. Really? I hear Upgrade. I've heard from so many people Upgrade's like the movie to watch. Well, it was maybe in theaters. Our next one. Maybe we should. Yeah. It was only in theaters for like a week, though. Yeah. And that's why I like missed it. Oh, the only thing, I, the most I read about Upgrade was how poorly it did. Oh, no, it did very poorly, yeah. yeah. But there was that. We, there was that trailer for Stillborn that looks pretty great. Yeah. And, um... I don't know. I feel like this has been overall a at least somewhat enjoyably su- I can't say successful, but I, I've enjoyed doing this podcast with you yeah, today. It was good. Yeah. Good twenty third episode. Yeah. No, I mean like the this is getting better. Each one's better. Yeah. Like if we ever find episodes one through twenty two and we release them, uh, you'll It'll see be total crap. Yeah. Uh, oh man, you'll those, you'll appreciate the growth. Those were bad. Well, yeah. One through three we can't release because we didn't actually have the mics on. Yeah. But. All right. Were we recording on this one? Oh, yeah, is this is this good? Oh, we're getting the thumbs up from the uh, the sound engineer booth. All right, well, we'll see you all next time. Thanks. Bye. Bye.